Hey everybody, check. Wow, it has been a while. Um, I apologize first and foremost. I didn't realize I was going to end up taking such a long break from the Houseless podcast. But we're here and I'm back. My name is Peter Agostin. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is my show, The Houseless. Um, I have a great, great guest that came to the crib. I recorded a conversation here in the house uh, with Nick Thornburn, uh, aka Nick Diamonds of Islands, the Unicorns. But he sent me an email along with uh, some other folks uh, about this book tour he was doing, and I was intrigued. Um, he just released um, this really cool illustrated novel, if you will, called Penguins. And I went out to the Strand here in New York City after our conversation. I bought me a copy. It's his first graphic novel, and it's awesome. I think it's great. I'm going to put a link in the description in the bio, too. It's dope. It kind of hit me on a nice... Uh, uh, sort of emotional existential level um, and it came at a very you know appropriate time also just because i was in my feelings about like not having done the show in a while and for me man that was like the show itself has been like a really great like release and um project for me i, I started it for a reason so when i don't do them on a consistent level i fall kind of out of sync a little bit but part of the reason why i didn't record a conversation because um, there was only some times I tried. I was on tour. I went on the road with Olivia Gatwood, the incredible poet and author. And uh, so I was I was busy sort of tour managing for a week. I came home. I got sick. I got laid out for a week. And that was just harrowing. And then a bunch of other bullshit happened, just life shit. For some reason, at the beginning of September, all types of dumb shit started happening in my life. So doing the podcast was just a challenging task and just scheduling alone is always like that. So I don't want to go too long about that, but I'm very grateful to be uh, back in the mix. CJ's uh, at the helm with the editing for today's show and he's been doing his thing. He's become a farmer. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about, but with Nick, uh, it was a good conversation. It was really great, actually, because I hadn't seen him in a long-ass time. It's probably been a, a 10 years. But there was a period of time when I saw him quite a bit. Uh, he lived in New York. Um, while I was doing the Knitting Factory stuff, we, we interacted quite a bit. I saw him out South by a few times. Um, I've always been a fan of his of his musical output, and we have a lot of friends in common, too. So you can kind of see where I'm going with the conversation in itself, too, like... I don't know like i don't know it's just that time of year it's the fucking equinox and uh and i got a birthday coming up and i'm like you know just just trying to get by you know what i'm saying like so this is the conversation we had i'm gonna go into it make sure you uh look out for his book penguins it's good it's awesome um i, I was happy to run out to the city and grab it and um it's on uh Fantagraphics.com. You can actually buy it on their website too. So let's get into this conversation. And at the end of the show, I'm going to play uh, probably one of my favorite songs that he wrote. And we, we talk about a little bit in our conversation here too. So if this is your first time listening, don't hesitate to subscribe. You can hear the podcast where most podcasts are found. Unlike Joe Budden, it's not on Spotify, but you can find it in a million other places. So thank you so much. I'm very grateful for you guys to listen. Let's get into my conversation with Nick right here on the house list. So the last time I think I saw you, which has probably been 10 years or something like that, I think. It's been nearly. That I haven't seen you in 10 years? I think so. It's definitely been around 
that. Maybe there was one or two times in the interim. But, but you lived in New York for a period of time, right? I did. I lived in New York from, I would say, 2007 to 2010. Right. Um, so it's 2018 now. I remember, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so it's been around 10 years because I remember this really interesting show that we did, which I like tore my house apart to find this thing here. Do you remember this? Yes. Which yes, you yes. totally curated. Yes, I did. Oh, God. So it was Ch- like, yeah. this was just just <laughs> to bring us back to, this wasn't the last time I saw you, although this is when I worked at the Knitting Factory. Right. So I used to book, I was a talent buyer there for a couple of years before close, the one on Leonard mm-hmm. Street in, in Manhattan. And it was three floors, <laughs> and you. But I think I have an actual flyer for it too. This was the like basically the set list in yeah. three rooms. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, this was just a one-time only event. Right? Yeah, I was trying to. You know, I would. I'd moved to New York, and I think I was spinning my wheels a little because I didn't really have. Like, as someone who makes music. Well, we should. Well, to the listener, we should explain. This is a, a yeah a sheet with like the the set list of uh, of comedy and music. Right. Um, wow, Fred Armisen. Did he do something? Yeah, oh, yeah, I remember. I think he even he did like a little set. Oh, yeah. I remember really vividly. Now that I'm like really taking myself back there, he did this like hilarious impression of uh, who's the like the guy from the actor from uh, Law and Order Vincent Del Forno is that how you say it okay he just did this uncanny impression of him I remember uh, um, so this was this was so I think I was just trying to like kind of I was kind of trying to do some good you know I'd done I'd done mm-hmm. a little bit of um, these events with um, the 826 Valencia uh, McSweeney's kind of chair uh, uh, yeah. education nonprofit thing and I think I was trying to just like curate an event that could go to, towards some good and um, this was a benefit for New York New York New York cares yeah kind of like a coat drive like oh right I think it was like you, you bring a coat if you can and you, you'll pay less at the door and the idea was to because winter was coming it was, yeah I don't know if was, the date is actually on here it's or not but it must have been 20, 2007 because I think I had I had only been I came kind of at the top of the year in 2007, yeah. and so this was, this this event would have been, um, I think, in, in December. Yeah. Yeah, like Eugene Merman's on there, and uh, David, David Cross, yeah. Marnie Stern. Yeah. Um, what what was this? Do you remember this Miracle Fruit tasting? Uh, so there were, I, that didn't end up happening because I couldn't procure the berries, but there's this illegal... <laughs> There is this kind of illegal berry that you can kind of get on certain websites. It's sort of one of these things that isn't, um, it, it's it, it's not technically legal, but it, it's not really on the radar of, of anyone. But the F, it's not approved by the FDA, and it's um, it's these berries from I guess from West Africa uh-huh. called uh, miraculin, and it it alters the taste buds on your tongue. So when you bite, uh, right. you bite this berry, you let you let it work around your mouth, and then you. You'll bite into a lemon or something, and it'll... Um, it'll be, like, sweet or something. Yeah, it'll make the lemon taste like a sweet, sweet orange. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Knitting Factory was great, because it was three. F- there was three floors, I think. Yeah. So we had, like, comedy in the basement and music on the main stage. And then, of course, Fred Armisen and David Cross at the end, I guess. Um, and there was a guy on acid who was... Oh, yeah. Who ended up having a really bad trip, and I don't know why we... Why I... 
did that. That was a that was a bad one. But it was just like a social experiment. Like I want you to do acid at this show, and we'll just see. Well, how you he feel. Was, yeah, I, he was this kid from Canada who lived down here, and he did these videos where he would try to do. I think he would try to do push-ups on different drugs, and so he would go through every yeah. drug like DMT and ketamine, and like see what it was like to do a push-up. That sounds exhausting. And cocaine, yeah. See how many he could do. Um, he was he was nuts. God bless him. Um, but he. I don't know if it was my idea or his idea, but it was kind of like he was just going to sit at this table and you could come and uh, talk to him and like he'd maybe give you some insights because oh, yeah. he was he was tripping balls. And he did that, I believe. And then I think it went kind of south. I think he had a bad time. And, and uh, so, you know, it was, it was an experiment. I was trying uh, I was trying to have it be fun and different and not just like yeah. comedy and music. I mean, where 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 were you at? like in your life at that point in time because this is like so the unicorns had already kind of like gone on a hiatus of some sort at this point yeah oh yeah we broke we hard broke up uh in 2004 we really only the unicorns really only lasted uh as like a professional touring band for a year oh really i didn't realize that we were we were kind of we we started in high school alden and i and then we 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 moved i moved to montreal and he followed and we um we, uh, we, we, yeah, we, we made a record and in 2003 in the summer and then le- left our places. We lived in Montreal. We, we were roommates and we got rid of our place and we just hit the road and we, I threw all my stuff, everything in the garbage. Wow. Threw it all out. Like actually put it in a garbage bag. Outside. I mean, I didn't have that much stuff, but right. I put like. A bunch of stuff that I couldn't fit in a su- in a bag, a suitcase or whatever, in a garbage bag outside of my um, building. Like that's gotta feel like liberating. Super liberating. And we bought this car for two hundred dollars, like a Honda Civic, uh, really piece of shit car that could barely drive. And we we crammed into it, and we toured across Canada, opening for this band um, that let us use their drums and. Who was that? And their amps. They were called Soft Canyon. They were a oh. psychedelic band that um, formed, were former members of this band Tricky Woo, this like Canadian garage oh, yeah. rock band that was kind of like proto. They kind of preceded the, the garage rock uh, yeah. movement of the 2000s. They were early 2000s. They were a 90s. Um, 90s band early and mid 90s. So you didn't grow up in Montreal? No, I grew up on Vancouver Island. Oh, <coughs> in Canada. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that fell apart. We were on tour the whole 2004. I didn't have a place to live. We were just on the road all the time. And I think it just, we, we, grind, we were grinding it out, but I think it ground us down. Too. Yeah, it sounds like it. So we, we imploded by the end of the year. Uh, and, and, um, and so then I just tried to pick, pick up the pieces and keep the momentum going. And Jamie and I, the drummer, we really, we really wanted to keep something going we liked yeah. we liked what we were building and working towards so we put islands together um almost immediately we we went and spent the winter in la in january of 2005 and um, oh, wow. spent three months there yeah i didn't realize they were that close to each other you know as far the as the two bands yeah, yeah, yeah it was immediate it was like yeah. we broke up in december alden phoned me and said he wanted to stop and it kind of felt like I mean, I definitely didn't want to stop the band, but you you can't 
be in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be in one. So. Yes, I've learned that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Especially with a musical thing, too. But, I mean, yeah. it's, it doesn't sound like even up to this point you haven't stopped doing projects. Well, I can't stop, won't stop, but I, I have actually retired from music. Have you? Low-key, uh. low-key retired. But I, I still can't fully shake it. I it kind of haunts my dreams and stuff. I don't know if I'm done with it. I want to be done with it. I want to be done with it only because it feels like it's done with me on a on a on a commercial level. Like I just feel like I'm I'm in a bit of a rut. Um even like as far as just feeling creative too or just as far kind as of. I mean yeah, kind of. I kind of feel like I'm repeating myself or I'm I'm worried that I'm at the point where I'm going to repeat myself. Like I've yeah. made seven al- albums with Islands. Yeah. Um I've kind of said all that I can say. I mean, there might hopefully though I'll have another breakthrough moment where I can yeah. uh, articulate something that I'm feeling. Um, I'm sure it's in there or or will come. But for right now, I don't want to force it just because that's like what you do, you know. Right, right. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to become bitter or more bitter than I already am. So I just I just wanted to like I had 10 years in 2000 uh 2016 was 10 years of islands uh from the first record to the last records right. and um it seemed like a good cap like just let's just bottle this 10 years up. Yeah. And and I can always like open the bottle again, but I wanted to kind of leave it be for for a bit get, get some perspective and um try other things, try other creative um uh, outlets, you know. Yeah. Was the band when you lived in New York? Was everyone here too? No, that was the thing. So I I came because my girlfriend, who I met in Montreal, was American, and she moved. She graduated college and moved back to New York, and so I followed. Uh, well, she was from Philly, but I, I I followed her to New York, and the band. Yeah, there was five guys in the band that were still in Montreal. So. Oh wow. So it was a little tricky, but actually, Islands has never all lived, except for the when I lived in Montreal. I mean, the what, the last iteration of Islands, um, Evan and Jordy, the the brothers, live in Ontario. So it was still a long yeah. distance relationship, but so it always has been. Kind of. I mean, I guess. And when the Unicorn started too, like how how we first started was I would send stuff to Alden in the mail, and uh, he would send stuff. He would send stuff to me, and I would like work it in and kind of like. What were you saying? The CDs, mini discs. What was it? It must have been. This it must like have been CDRs. This would have been 2000, 2000, 2000, 2001, I would say. Oh, it was yeah. when we were starting to like put this thing together. That was like the the advent of the CDR. Yes. You know, as far as musicians. Yes. Using them. Totally. And burners, CD burners were in. Yeah. Um, were in those big old computer towers yeah no i remember well i mean you could attribute the whole like west coast underground hip-hop scene to cd burners yeah you know i I would think so i remember like because i lived on the west coast from like 99 to 2005 Uh, i moved here in 2005 but yeah the Mm -hmm. whole you know project blow and living legends Mm -hmm. and like when guys started getting their own and anticon and getting their own CD burners and not being beholden to uh, disc makers or whatever right. to sell their albums like right. on the road and only have like 50 copies or right. 100 right, copies right, right. at a time or some shit. Just remember that being Something a very exciting. profound thing. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was, that's a good use of technology, being able to liberate the artist from the 
the chains of capital. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. So what? When you were mailing stuff, he would he would record in his own way and then send it back to you physically. I think he. I think when I was in BC, I would go back to the west coast of Canada for for summers and like work summer jobs because I couldn't speak French in Montreal, so I couldn't. Um, I couldn't. Uh, stay there right i couldn't really work there i had a couple like under the table kind of stocking jobs and stuff like uh, stocking shelves but uh so i went i would go back for the summers and um we would make stuff and i think i took it back to uh i think what happened was one summer we did some recording and then i took it back to montreal and like fiddled with it like in a computer like did some overdubs and stuff on a computer and i think i sent it back to alden and he was like oh this is this feels like it was the first little self-released thing we did and he was like oh this right. is real like this feels like he started he could see it he i think that was the first time he kind of saw the potential and so he that i think compelled him to move to montreal and and uh that's where we went from there so the first release was a cdr you know what it was not a cdr it was it was through like some manufacturing. We f- we had this friend, this fan slash friend, who was who, who. I mean, we had no, we had nothing really released. He, we just knew him from the area, from putting on punk shows and right. on Vancouver Island. But he had got some money because he had like a refillable ink business, and he made some money from. Mm. And so he he invested in. Um, in us and he paid for the the manufacturing of like I don't know if we printed 500 CDs there's probably boxes of these CDs CDs somewhere but it was like it was kind of a secret release like it doesn't really get counted right, I don't know right. if it's canon you know it's called it's called right. unicorns are people too and um so it's like one notch up from a CDR but it was it was something that we just made ourselves and yeah, it was like a DIY benefactor of some sort. Yeah, you know? yeah, which was it was nice. Okay. Yeah. So did you were you playing music? Were you playing in punk bands in Vancouver? No. So I never went to like Vancouver and Vancouver Island. Oh yeah, yeah. Very just like, and I lived to get to Vancouver was a real ordeal. You had to drive for two hours to the ferry, then take the two hour uh, ferry. So did you drive. live in like Tofino or something like that? I lived not well. I also lived far from Tofino. Vancouver Island's huge, but right. but closer to Tofino than. In Vancouver. Beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's a, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Yes, you know? it is. It really is. It, it's it's uh it's supernatural, but it's um but it's boring. Yeah, there's not there's, there's not no much, culture. There's yeah. so much nature, but it's like people go there to surf, right? I think. Yeah. They're surfing. And like what what else? Probably smoke weed, I don't yeah. know. But and it's like you can hike and you can kayak and you can oh, but yeah. but it's but it's a you know, where I grew up was a fishing town. It was like it was it was um, it was a place where fishermen fished and lived, and, mm. and there was a mi- there was a mill and there was logging. Those are the industries. So it was it wasn't um, there wasn't a lot of room left over for for art, which is fine. But uh, but uh, it, it was not it was not a place that I really fit in. So I so I left. Were your was that your family's like uh, lineage fishermen? Um, Yes, my on my mother's side, my parents are both from Newfoundland, which is East Coast, yeah. uh, super fishing yeah, yeah. community sure. um, or communities. Uh, so yeah, her father was was like straight up a fisherman, um, and then 
died when when she was really young but but uh but yeah um so always by the water as well yes yes always by the water i mean newfoundland is an island too uh (laughs) um but no my my mom was a nurse and my dad was a was a fisheries officer which is fish adjacent but it's kind of like a the title doesn't really exist here in america i don't think but it's kind of like a well, in the Northwest, it's a big deal. Probably is, yeah. I, I mean, I remember the hustle for a lot of people, for me, that like were friends of mine. Both, Mostly the people I knew on the West Coast would go to Alaska and fish in the summer and shit. And right. Like, to make cash. Right. You know? Shit. That's um, rugged, though. I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah, totally. You're living on that boat, and it's like, oof, briny. It was a hustle for a certain kind of person. Uh, yeah. Maybe not the musician, art-sensitive art guy, but, yeah. like, his bro. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, I know, I know of a few... I've... I know of a few people who do that or have done that. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely have friends that I grew up with that do that full time now. Like they, oh, wow. that's, they, they fish um, two weeks on, or whatever. They do like on and off kind of schedules, but they're always out on the water, like up in Alaska and like up uh, definitely in the, in the, on the Pacific. But my brother used to live in Alaska. He, he used to live in, um, on the Orcas Islands as well. So kind of close to, not far from, from where you grew up. Although maybe perhaps a little south. It's just right. that cluster of yes, islands, yes, like yes. outside of San Northern. Wall. Wall. Yeah, 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 San yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Super beautiful there. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's very inspiring. Yeah, for if if that's your thing, if you want to yes. be by the water. Yes, and be, yes. It's idyllic. I mean, and tranquil. I think I would. I wouldn't feel any conflict or tension. That's kind of maybe where I derive my right. inspiration from. Is pain and trouble. Well, if you lived, I mean, you basically have spent most of your life living in New York and LA, though, right? Right. So Which is lots of conflict and tension in both places. Exactly. Yeah, coming back to New York is always crazy. Just, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but um, one just being that it's such a such a smushed city. It's so. Oh yeah. It's so vertical, you know. So you really feel you really feel the density. Um, Do you feel like a charge when you're here or does it feel overwhelming or something? You're like LA people kind of like uh-huh. have a polarizing reaction to New York city. Yeah. I feel a charge and I feel overwhelmed. I think that the overwhelm, the sense of, of being overwhelmed kicks in usually by day four. Or day uh-huh. five. Yeah. But, I'll, but until then I'm like riding, I'm like, you know, I'm getting, getting a high off of it and it's really great. And I love it. It's, it's an amazing city. It kind of, it kind of gets to me after a while, for sure. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. But you lived here. I mean, you sort of get I it. I lived right? here. I thought I was. The city made me stressed out, though. I thought I was dying. Like I went to doctors. I didn't even have like a proper. I didn't have any health insurance. Right. But I went to like NYU. Um, they had like a training doctor training thing. You could or apprenticeship kind of thing. You could go. I went to like. So I went to a couple. Of, I didn't pay one bill. Uh, sorry about that. Are um, oh, you prostrated out on your bills? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was like, I think I'm dying. Like, I, I think I have some an illness. Like, I can't. My stomach is like, it just hurts. Like, it just right. hurts. And at some point, a doctor was like, "You're just, you have anxiety," and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, no, I don't. Th- I don't. I can't be." And he like tried to prescribe me um, anxiety medication. I didn't want. I was like, that makes me, I, I don't feel comfortable right. doing that. He's like, of course you don't, because you have anxiety. Like, <laughs> uh, but and I never filled that prescription. But uh, yeah, New York City is is um, 
you know, great for inducing anxiety. Yeah. If you ever want to feel anxious, just come to New York City and hang out. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, you just walk outside. It's amazing. Even in the... I mean, this neighborhood that I'm in is pretty tranquil. So totally. I'm very totally. grateful for that. I yes. Mean, but as soon as I get on the train and go somewhere else. Right, you know? right. Yes, and I lived in Clinton Hill, and it was really beautiful and, and, and neighborly and peaceful, and and, uh, and it was good. Yeah. It, it, it was definitely like a reprieve from... Do you feel like you were like... How was your level of like songwriting and like making music here compared to LA? That's something I've always been fascinated with the, the artists I know here and mm-hmm. how my attitude is when I'm here mm-hmm. and how drastically different it is when I when I'm a couple of days into being in Los Angeles because it changes for me too. Mm-hmm. Like you obviously pr- uh, produced a bunch of material while you were here. Yeah, right? tons. Several albums of Islands yeah. came out. Yeah. Maybe the bulk of the Islands material was done while you lived in New York, maybe, or a good first half of it, at least. Well, the first two records were where I was in Montreal for. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, the the uh, um, then the third, I mean, maybe only the maybe only the third record was was here, and it was really like. A lot about my my time here, like it kind That's of vapors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of the New York thing, and then I made a little solo bedroom record called "I Am an Attic" um, oh, yeah, that I, I that. sort of self self Bandcamp released. Like, mm-hmm. came out twenty. It was twenty eleven. Bandcamp was kind of new, and it was it just was like a cool kind of like the CDR of twenty eleven. You know, where like, <laughs> yes, you can put this thing into the world without any right. middleman. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah um so what was vapors yeah. like for you i mean cuz that might be that is the true new york uh, yeah. album for you yeah yeah <laughs> well we made it in new york we made it at stratosphere which no longer exists it was oh, yeah. james eha's studio that's cool and um was he around at all or no he was he would be cool. puttering around it was an amazing space the amps never worked the guitars were incredible like was it his stuff? It was a lot of his stuff and the Sweet. other guy, the Fountains of Wayne guy, Adam something. Uh, uh, sorry, I don't know his name. Yeah. I feel like I'm not throwing shade. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it was it was a cool studio, but like kind of nothing worked. The electrical thing was a nightmare, and it was kind of a it was super expensive. But that was like we were like riding pretty high in those days, sure. and I, probably the industry. Still was like maybe on vapors, no pun intended, or on or on like um, fumes from from the nineties. But it was like still like you can still get a budget. Shit, man! Like thirty days at the studio it was like uh, fucking hey. It was I mean, was it thirty days? I don't know. Maybe it was two weeks, and we did it. We did some other stuff at the producer Chris Cody's um, studio. Oh yeah, great producer. Yes, he's great. He's worked with many, many people, right? He has. He's 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 catching fire now. He yeah, he did like Beach House and Future Islands yeah. um and all that stuff. Um but but past islands, that that was when he was <laughs> with us. Um and we yeah, we, we Past Islands. <laughs> yes. We uh I I wondered if that's why they called themselves that. If they like looked up the name and were like, Fuck, it's taken, why don't we just why don't we just like level up? Do one of this. <laughs> it's, it's a hell of a theory. Yeah. You know, if you look, if you go on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, and you're like, okay, I want to listen to some islands. Oh, yeah. future islands. Yeah. Hmm. It's, uh, it's a scourge. <laughs> it's a scourge. Um, yeah, it's a pox on my life. But uh, it's okay. 
that's life, right? Both great bands, you know, sure. Different sure. flavors, very different flavors, yeah. I would say. Um, but and and power to them. I just uh, I just wish they weren't called that. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. Um, my joint was the arm. Oh yeah, arms and, way and the and the yes, song and particularly the... the song, the first song, the lead song. Thanks. Which was yeah, I think yeah, it's a great piece of work. There's like a that's the one I. I I often go back to as like a single song I like this also like has some sentimental mm. value for the period of time it was because that was 07 or something like that oh eight I think yeah. yeah came out 08 so 10 years ago and um but recorded in 07 yeah probably yeah. when we were when we were yeah, here kind of doing, yeah. yeah doing some gigs and stuff yeah yeah both of those records were both that's anti that was the yeah. first one for anti that was the second islands album and we really just wanted out of our we had a bad deal in montreal on a local label and we just uh -huh. we, we wanted to keep it small and kind of um local and it just didn't work out it was like this idea of what it would be like more control and more um bigger piece of the pie and just like more more involvement in that side of things it kind of backfired and so uh we wanted to 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 expand and um and anti was like uh kind of the, the a classy label and, and sure and um i think i also wanted to shake off this uh the, the unicorns uh skeleton of just this uh whimsical absurd and um and uh the worst word uh in the english language quirky yeah, uh, kind of tag that I'd been saddled with. I really felt like I needed to shake that off. Well, which was probably just bestowed onto you by a journalist. Sure. Right yeah, and I and and maybe even a publicist. I don't know. And you right. gotta like, you gotta sell a thing. But I don't want to be t marketed as quirky. But no, because um, that 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 that's a really surface reading of what the unicorns was. But yes, it was like bleep blue, synthy goofy like we were in our 20s and we were we were like we basically weren't precious about the the whole thing we were like right. poking fun at 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 a lot of the the conventions i guess of pop what pop music yeah but your contemporaries of that that period of time that was a lot of people didn't they were a little more sardonic uh mm. about their approach it was a little mm -hmm. more like there was some kind of being making fun of stuff yeah like, yeah know, yeah that yeah. was the punk rock sort of vibe of like experimental music in the very early 2000s right at least from what i remember yeah that's know? cool you know and it's good and and we were young and and so we yeah. we, we had the kind of hubris to like chat take that on too and think we could like um comment on it or something and then so but then i wanted to really like show that i was serious and i wanted to flex a little and so that's what right. arms way was an attempt to like prove my my strength at like songwriting and um and and grandiose you know uh you know songs i guess was there an op was there um orchestra on that song no it was it was amazing uh these two the two amazing members of islands at the time um alex and sebastian chow who were not brothers but they laid down all the violins and like and and arranged the stuff and were truly like brilliant um players and yeah. so it was it added a lot, and that's one of the reasons why I haven't really returned to that record is because it is so hard to do without, without the the strings and the. Oh yeah, the to do it live. Yeah, sure. to do it live, but um, and the arm, yeah, that was I mean that was a real, 
that was a song that just like kind of I think it came from like a dream I was on tour and then we got a flat tire in England and we were on the side of the road and um, stuck there for hours waiting for the 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 tow guy to come or, or change the tire or something or some end there was some engine trouble I forget what it was but, but I just remember sitting in in the ditch uh, on the side of the road and like f- fleshing out the song and uh, oh wow yeah there w- that was a time when I there was no downtime like I was always working I, I was always uh, writing that was in 2006 you could write on the road I wrote the bulk of Arms Way on tour on that 2006 European tour and um I could. I don't think I could now. I think right. I was just so fired up. I was just ready right. to to make um, to make shit and just just um, kind of brimming. Yeah, I mean, when you're on the when you're on tour and things are kind of popping off and yeah. and it's like, you know, of a certain period of time in your life. Yeah. To uh, maybe a slightly more carefree, adventurous mm-hmm. um, chapter. Yeah. Then. It's like anything is possible. It seems. Like. Yeah. And maybe, and this is just my from um, me projecting a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I wasn't there with you, but I would. <laughs> I would assume because you also don't have any time to spare. It's not like you're have like a couple of months to go home and, and right. work on stuff. So you right. have to you have to take your minutes when you right. get them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it, and it was we were feed. I think I was definitely feeding off of the. Um, the the popularity that we were however modest it was it was like that was a 2006 was a good year uh for islands and it was um a year that 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 i was kind of feeding off of that electricity a little bit i guess so well yeah as you should yeah yeah i wanted to again like i wanted to keep the momentum going and i was inspired and um i think that's why i really ultimately like this the past couple years of touring i was feeling really like devoid of any creativity and being on tour felt like being in a vacuum like I didn't have any and I just didn't want to be in that place where I just where there's this chore this burden to to making music I wanted it to come out of me like naturally and and with love and not with like some obligation or something of course yeah Yeah. I mean that's a very real feeling too yeah Um, so is that where the book came about that was one of them. Yeah, the book was actually a reaction to to some some film work that I that I was trying to get made in L.A. I guess I'm still trying to to make this project, and it was really slowing down. And so, um, while while I was like waiting around for that, I, I felt like I needed to um, to, uh, to to get to kind of expel this these creative uh, urges in this in a cathartic kind of way. So I just. Any time I had, I, I put towards drawing. Instead of just sitting on my hands waiting, I, I just right. started drawing. And I knew I, I'd, I'd always drawn. I'd always, um, for, since forever, and would draw, like, merch stuff for the bands that I was in. And Did you do the cover, that unicorn cover? I did, yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And That's incredible. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, was that, like, a watercolor, or is just, like... No, it was just crayons. Yeah. It was just crayons, cool. yeah. Um... And then I like, I think I erased, I like scratched out the, some of the, cra- so it was kind of lost the, the, the like textural yeah. parts of, it was pencil crayons, so it wasn't, um, it wasn't like wax crayons, but. Oh, so you kind of, uh, you could sort of uh, smudge it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, there was some kind of, I think there was something that looked a little gouache or, or watercolory, but, uh, but anyway, but yeah, I've been drawing, I was drawing forever and then I, I'd, 
I'd always wanted to make a book, a, a, a graphic novel or, or something. And um, my dream publisher was Fanographics and uh, the, out of Seattle. So they're like a big um, like graphic novel uh, Yeah, publisher, right? they're like the, the, the big one. Yeah. Them and Drawn and Quarterly out of Montreal. Uh-huh. Um, so, and it's, I guess it's kind of ironic that I'm a Canadian and lived in Montreal and I'm not published by Drawn and Quarterly. But, uh, but yeah, those are the two like kind of heavyweights and all the like... Like Eight Ball was published by Fanographics, yeah. Dan Klaus, so Ghost World, and all that stuff. And sure, uh, and those were extremely successful, well-known. Yes, books. yes, they're up there, and uh, and that's what, in the '90s. That's when I was getting into comics. That was um, those were the books, like the yeah. Fanographics books, and and uh, yeah. So you just sought them out. I had a, I had a. There was a bookstore in LA called Secret Headquarters, and they. Mm-hmm. He, I, tr- I made a little mini book with him, and he liked my stuff. And Dave was his name. Dave is his name. And uh, he, he connected me with with Eric, the publisher at Fanographics. Oh, cool. And I, Eric, uh, is the is the editor there. And so he he cord- he had an anthology like seven years ago, collections of different cartoonists, and um, invited me to be a part of it. And oh, so that's cool. how I met, and I published. In these anthologies, which was like so cool, just that. And then when I last year I had a little bit of downtime, I just like had the idea that I wanted to make this book, and uh, so I pitched it to him. I sent him some drawings, and he was he was receptive, amazingly. Yeah, it's so, incredible. Yeah, I feel like I, yeah, I feel really blessed that I can like pivot like that to to um, to comics. And I do worry that 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 some people will see it as like this kind of um day tripping like uh tourism kind of thing oh like more of a novelty almost. yeah but it's real for me like i have well I, if you if you did the artwork for your album that was 15 years ago whatever, yes you know, yes it's not like you're you're you know moonlighting to do that just because you have the hookup right whatever. right 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 and i and i would make comics in in high school like staple xerox kind oh, of little, little books and some, you got some zines yeah. under your belt. Yeah, I got. I've, I've been in the in the zine game. Oh, isn't this weekend? Um, are you going to the New York? Yes, the PS. Oh, that's probably why you're here. Or no? No, I mean, I was. No, I'm not. Per, I'm not doing anything. Performing. I still uh, say the wrong words for the book events. Uh, I'm not signing or doing any event at the um, or tabling at the right. book fair. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I was here just to do the. There was one in. So PS1, the, the, the art book fair is more art books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, there's this class distinction, I guess, between the, the low-grade, low-brow comics world that I live in, which I, I will gladly and proudly um, live in. But, uh, yeah, that's like a different school of... Yeah, of, that's more like sort of modern avant-garde, um, like contemporary... Comics. I mean, not or or art books rather. I, yeah. I, I've been to it once before, and I was very impressed. It was cool. It's a little, maybe slightly intimidating. Yeah, you know? it's. I've I've been to, and I, and I'm gonna go because I there's a guy I really like who actually inspired um, my book uh, named Richard McGuire, mm. who used to play bass in Liquid Liquid. Oh yeah. In the '80s, and then kind of transitioned into into an artist. What's uh, his stuff like? Well, he does a bunch of different uh, kinds of things, but 
he does simple illustration stuff. A lot of um, he does occasional um, spot illustrations for the uh-huh. New Yorker, okay. the stuff that exists in the margins of when articles. Um, sorry, money keeps falling out. <laughs> I'm just a I'm just a rich man. You know? <laughs> but uh, he does the stuff that's like if an article there's like a gap between the next article or something. It's these little drawings that maybe people don't even really notice them when they read like the New Yorker, but they they tell a little story as you flip the pages. You can see there's like a sequence to them. Oh, amazing! And he collected a book of his New Yorker drawings and they're really funny and simple and uh, and there's no words so it's all visual so that was my that was kind of like another a, a real inspiration I made this book without any words in it at all it's all drawings amazing and, and so visual what's the so it's about penguins yeah yeah it's about it's it's called penguins so it's these sort of human looking penguins uh-huh. um, anthropomorphic penguins that don't speak and can't fly and dream about flying and and they fall a lot and they die a lot and they look for love and companionship and usually fail Mm. so it it, i was watching blue planet 2 uh last year and um there was a segment on or maybe it was planet earth 2 i either way it was a segment on penguins and the antarctica and um it was, they're just such incredible animals who like go to such lengths to stay alive and, yeah. and to keep their and to keep their family unit together, like their companionship and their their um their their sense of of, of companionship. I guess is so strong. It felt like a funny analog to or a parallel to humans, and um, the saddest bit being that they're you know flightless birds. They they can't fly, but they're they've got wings you know so there's something kind of sad about that and funny and tragic um so i thought they were a good a good uh stand-in for humans so i make these yes. they, so they, they're kind of human they're not really penguin it's like a simple almost like the bauhaus logo it's just like a circle with a with a black um back and like a little um nub that represents like a beak mm. so it's kind of like distilled into, into this really simple rendition like low resolution uh rendition of 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 a, of a penguin and also just of a, anything it's like using uh, as little as possible little as little like facial features or or um anything to, just to like really push the the story into like more physical uh things and um i don't know so does it, it are there um specific characters or are these like vignettes that just sort of like just glide into one or the other yeah vignettes gags they're really um they're they're really not connected at all. There there's like a th- there's obviously a through line with these birds, but um or or things, but uh is it like a single panel or is it like a strip or how like since uh, I literally have never I seen it, I know how you describe it. I would have. <laughs> this is fine though. I would have brought if I'd had any copies, but they they send them all to the bookstores. They don't, they don't give them to, to the author, no. right? Um, it uh it, it depends from page. So I was yeah. really trying to play with the frame and and the the. The, the structure of comics and panels and like be, be playful and like deconstruct the panel and yeah. stuff so they're all kind of different but sometimes there's no panel sometimes they like they exist between the panels and like on top of the panels um and, and they're not all like some of it is not all penguins like it's it's a uh, that that's kind of the consistent thread but um there's mm-hmm. other like characters that i've drawn in but there's no dialogue there's no words um 
except the word help it shows up a few times but uh that's about it and then some japanese words um so i mean yeah i mean i can already totally identify with all the characters uh-huh you know? yeah so i mean so this is like i mean obviously if there's a wordless narrative mm-hmm. um but it had to have been inspired by things that happen in your own life i would assume right your own relationships probably yeah probably i'm pulling from personal experience um i I sort of the same way i write a music i try not to look directly at the thing right you know like like looking at the sun or something i just so i don't always have like a clear and clean cut um path from from my experience to my work and i think i like to keep it that way because um because then it's more mystical and I think it's more open-ended and it's more, maybe people can Rorschach it a little bit, Yeah, you know? So, I mean, if you dump your own specific experience too um, aggressively on someone, then how are they, what are they supposed to do with that? Right, right. And then it just feels like you're watching someone masturbate or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I keep it a little oblique. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, there's, I'm in there for sure. Yeah, I'm in it. Yeah, a lot of it. <laughs> so I, I know I'm, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, and we didn't, we kind of skipped over it. But when, so when you went, when you moved to LA, mm-hmm. so you moved from New York there, right? I that, moved how from did you New find York, yourself? There? I moved from New York to nowhere for like two years. So you just were on the road. Yeah, I was on the road a little with Mr. Heavenly, this band oh, that yes. I that I put together with yeah. with uh, Ryan from Man Man and Joe, who was in Modest Mouse at the time. Yeah, Joe. Uh, yes. Joe Plummer, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of, we made a record, we toured a bunch for it, and then in between that, I was kind of bouncing between L.A. and New York and sometimes Toronto, because my island's guys lived in Toronto. Um, and made an islands record in that time, and then another benefactor, uh, an amazing lady in LA, uh, was, was very supportive of artists and lets, uh, or she was then, um, and let me stay in her house for like wouldn't accept money. Wow! And so I lived there for six or seven months, and she had a boyfriend and everything. It wasn't like there was any kind of um, tension or, or anything like that. Right. Uh, or any or any um, expectation um, but uh it was it was wild and it was I was so fortunate because I was so lost and adrift and being able to go there that's where I wrote uh asleep in a forgetting which she had a little she had a piano at the house and I I don't play piano very well but I used it it was kind of cool to like approach songwriting with this new um new uh, way to write was on this piano I'd usually always written on guitar right, so. Right. so it was like a cool uh, way way to approach it from a different perspective so yeah I made just a record just by chance because it was there it was there yeah hmm. so I would sit I would swim she had a pool I would swim in the morning uh, and then play piano all day and like write a record it was a pr- and I had my own like little I had my own zone it was a big house it was like so you didn't you guys weren't like in each other's way or no she worked she had a she owned a clothing store and was at work and and then her and her boyfriend got more serious and he moved in and then it was like she was like what are you doing 
Like it was supposed to be a temporary. I'm swimming. Yeah, I'm, I'm like loving life. What do you mean? <laughs> but I was supposed. The, the idea was that I land there and figure my shit out and right. figure my life out. And I forgot. I was like having such a blast that I forgot to f- really figure it out. <laughs> so by that's like, definitely an LA experience. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was a truly. I was truly lucky uh, and and. Um, indebted to her for that for for giving me a soft landing because i didn't know if i would move to la i couldn't commit it's a hard city to to um to move to i think yeah but for some reason i was pulled there uh from new york i i needed another big city i couldn't be here anymore um and i needed another big city and toronto i was kind of looking at but i don't know i just i just I just moved west, I guess. And Did you find like is were the opportunities there? Are we? I mean, I guess the original question I had was really trying to get a little more inside your head as far as like how like how you were at what level was your creativity there as compared to here? Because this obviously New York is is very dense. It's tense. Mm-hmm. You know, the spaces are smaller. It's yeah. darker. It's yeah. colder. Yeah. You know. LA it's like it's sprawling it's yeah. like a sprawling mess and like yeah. but it's lonelier in a way right you know right but it's sunnier all the right time. right so it's, a, it's a, in an oppressive way almost like it yes yeah. it is completely um different I so guess it's got to like the contrast of all that have to uh-huh. mess with your mind a little bit like yeah you know, as far as how you create stuff I might have felt a little dumped out like turned upside down and all my coins fell out of my pocket um and I think I needed that. I think I yeah. needed to be shaken up a little. Because you were making different... You were making... I mean, you and Daddy Kev did an album, right? Like we did, the, but that was actually while I lived here. Oh, we're, We made okay. that record. Um, yeah, I went to... We went to Hawaii. That was an amazing... He was like, let's make a record um, in Hawaii. I'll rent a place. <laughs> right. I'll buy the flights. I'll bring you and your girl out. And we'll like snorkel and do Hawaii stuff during the day and then at night we'll make this record I was like okay sounds pretty good <laughs> and it was a little it was kind of an EP sort of thing yeah, yeah. Um, it was fun and it was a different a different thing and I was I was happy to do it um, I don't see Kev too much these days he's been he's been been really busy and successful so it's good yeah because he got another 10-year cap, you know, being the Lowland. closure of Lowland Theory, too. Yes, Did yes. you ever play that? Yes. Uh, the early so, years of that, right? Uh, I think 2008, um, on Ecstasy, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was on, island, on an Islands tour, and uh, I traded MP3s of Human Highway, which had not yet been released, to, to a, a person in Portland... Um, a manager in Portland for like very strong ecstasy or MDMA or whatever the fuck it was. It was like wow, uh, yeah. So it's we a hell of a trade. So we had a show in LA at uh, the El Rey, and then we had a day off, and it was on a Wednesday. And right. Kev was like, "Come through low end, and we could do Corn Gang, which was this thing, which was like kind of the in between." When the Unicorns broke up and before Island started and Jamie and I moved to L.A., we both were fans of rap music right. and West Coast underground stuff. And so we connected. We knew we worked with we toured with Subtitle and uh, Giovanni Marks. Yes. And shout met, out to him. Yeah. And he was on the show. On the oh, podcast. good. Oh, cool. Yeah. I will listen to that. Yes. That's I'm sure that's it's a classic. Oh, my God. Sure. Yeah. The man 
The man can talk. He has a way with words. Um, so through Gino, we met uh, Reagan, bus driver. Yeah. And so we put... And there was this other guy, Vic Booz, who was kind of like mm. the, the, the Pete Best of the Corn Gang, I guess, because he kind of... We, when we made the first Islands record, we did like a track with Reagan and Gino and, called Where There's a Will, There's a Whalebone. And real, to, be, to be quite fair, Vic, what, G- G- Gino just wrapped uh, a couple extra verses and, like, the, and sent it in first, and it was just, that was it. It was like Vic kind of got cut out of the thing. But back, no more space. But, yeah, and Vic, Gino introduced us to Vic, who worked at Amoeba and was like, it was like maybe outside of that was definitely not as in it as as bus driver you know right um but was still a great guy and added a great uh, flavor to the thing and we anyway we 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 when we were in LA like trying to get our druthers and figuring out what we were going to do we put this little band this little group together that was like Jamie and myself and Steve McDonald from Red Cross Oh, wow. And Josh Klinghoffer, who's now in the Chili Peppers, who played on the like, very first Islands demos, um, played guitar, um, which Steve recorded. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we were this little like band, uh, instrumental band, that played a couple shows. Uh, and we went to South by Southwest, actually, uh, with, with Gino and Bus Driver and, um, and Vic. And uh, so that was a thing kind of transitional between the bands where we were like trying to like work it out and, and just have fun and like make music that we liked and work with these people we wanted to work with and uh so anyway sort so, of hip-hop right they were rhyming oh it was it was hip-hop i mean i don't the, the thing is i don't love the live thing with hip-hop i like it to be as as you know it's synthetic as possible yeah, really yeah, i got you yeah. um but yeah, that's what it was. I mean, it was live. It was live. It was a live kind of hip hop group, and um, and this was what the Low and Theory show was. Yeah. So so Kev was like, "Come through, and you could do. We could do a Corn Gang thing, like bus drivers around, subtitles around. Um, no can do is what came up. Mm-hmm. I feel like someone else too was around." And then anyway, like I, I think I had, I took that that ecstasy pill, and it was. I remember her saying, this friend of mine or this manager in Portland saying, like that stuff's really strong, so be careful. And I just was like, could barely stand. Uh, uh, was was playing, um, was playing guitar at first. Was like, nope, this is too too complicated. I just need to play the synthesizer. Don't you play like a Gretsch too? You play like a big hollow body guitar. It was uh, the guitar I've been playing. Well, now I play a Mustang, but I was playing for the past like ten years. I was playing a. Um, it's like a reissue of a. Of an airline, or well, of a map guitar. It's like a. Uh, uh, this company Eastwood in Ontario makes these like reissues of these old uh-huh. Supro kind of. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> factory like uh, outlet like where whatever uh, what, what do you call it what, what is the name of the, the department store guitars you know that like Jack White kind of yeah yeah I know what you're saying but anyway so it's a reissue of that but it's like it's it's like a 
It was not a Gretsch. It's a uh, national national mm-hmm. guitar. So it's shaped like the map of the states. It's called a map guitar. I played that for a while, and then I think before that, I, I've definitely had like an SG in the mix, but but never uh, never an electric Gretsch or anything. Okay. But but a big but a big body. And not hollow, but I think then I don't know what I had then. I don't know if I had that guitar. But I remember way, a big white one when Islands yeah. was playing. That was the one. That would have been the yeah. About. That's the map. That's yeah. the like national. Uh, yeah, so, so you were so, yeah. so high you couldn't hold the guitar. And you I just, just couldn't. Set it down I was like, it's too. I was just like, it's too. Con-. And it was like we were improvising because we didn't. Right. Have, that was the other thing that this band did, which is a little questionable, is that it was it was sort of improv. It was like because Jamie's an incredible drummer, one of the best drummers. Um, probably easily the best drummer I've ever played with uh, in terms of like technical skill and um, I mean in terms of a lot of things but mm-hmm. but but he, he so he so he can just like go and um, so he so he wasn't in the band at the time but he was living in LA and so corn gang the idea was like well let's get Jamie up there and I'll come up and then the rest of islands can kind of come and sit in and like play and we'll just sort of jam which you know i i kind of cringe to think about but <laughs> that's also an la thing to sort of improv yeah world. i mean yeah. the bus driver comes out of that project blowed is yeah. based off of totally improvising totally totally know? totally it's just i like a beginning a middle and an end yeah i understand you know? yeah it has a different connotation in a rock band because then you're jamming right jamming right has you know it's a loaded it is loaded yeah, but we had we we held it together, I think, and I barely held it together. I just played the synth. I just like hit the like LFO switch on the Jupiter Four. It was just like this is about all I can do, do right now. Right. But it was fun. I think I don't know. I was having fun. I was having fun. So what you've done some other stuff in LA too. Like you did. There's been some like acting stuff and some film things. Yes. Think, yeah, remember? I mean, I think if you live in LA, it's just inevitable that you'll act in a thing. Right. Probably, I'm sure that's just uh, just a, a rite of passage or something. Right. But I mean, I don't act. I, friends have asked me to be in little things, and it's right. it's really fun. Um, but it's not something I'm like actively pursuing at all. It's just a a little fun excursion. Have you been writing? Huh? Yeah, that's something. I mean, I went to film school. Um, Where? Uh, in Montreal. At McGill. Uh, Concordia at the other um, university Mm -hmm. the other English university and they have a good film program and it's a little more experimental so I went to film school was very interested in abstract and experimental film right and that's that that's not a a career um, a a kind of a good genre for for career building for no abstract film and career yeah 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 I mean some people can um, yeah, I'm sure. Were you what, what were you doing like Super Eight stuff? Yes, and, uh, sixteen Bolex yeah. and uh, um, and but make made making like it progressed. But I was making kind of weird little sh- uh, shorts in in school um, with sixteen mil, and it was it was really fun. But I was just like, this is too expensive. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm going to come out of school how am I going to do this? Like, am I going to just make a short film and then try to get it into festivals and then try to parlay that into a feature? Like that just seems so daunting to me. Right. And meanwhile, the unicorns was coming and happening. And we made this record in our rehearsal space for $200. And, uh, 
and we and the record like kind of caught on with people and and so it just seemed like a way more natural um stream to to, yeah. to go down right. so that's what we that's where i went and i i kind of in the back of my mind i thought i can return to this film thing i think and, and maybe it'll be even better because i'll have lived and i'll have something i really want to yeah some perspective yeah yeah so that's kind of where i'm at now it's like putting the music stuff on pause for a second and just trying to to write a lot so i'm just writing. so you were trying did you sell a, have you sold anything you sold you were trying to sell I a script i sold a pilot script of nice. my tv um series uh but did it's, you get picked up no it's dead it's dead unfortunately but like a lot of a lot of things i think get made and or get bought and sold and, and yeah. end up in the garbage right, right. it's a, it's an experience and it was definitely a really great experience um and a profitable one. I mean, I well, if it got bought, I mean, that's yeah, I lived, that's something. I lived off of it. I uh, and I learned how to structure and how to write uh, a lot through through the process. So it was it was a positive experience. I would have loved to have gone the distance with it. But was um, it a, a comedy? It was a comedy. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it's a long it's a long story. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a comedy. Like an episodic thing. Yeah, it would have yeah, been a gotcha. series. Yeah, comedy series. Um, it's, yeah. Not that you have to describe it, since it's probably you can't really talk about it at length. But was it like a music related? Thing? No, it wasn't music at all. Well, oh, cool. It was no, it wasn't music at all. And it's it's hard for me to describe it right now. But it was it was kind of batshit crazy. Right. And it was really fun. Um, and I was maybe out of my depth anyway. So, in a way, I'm relieved that it didn't go because I don't know if I could have, you know, what, survived it. Fake the funk for for. Uh, for for real I don't know it just it was like kind of I, I'll explain off air it was like sure. a hard to to it would have been hard for me to to to, to convincingly sell it I think right. I, I was right. out of my element a little bit but I was like going for it I was swinging for the fences and well obviously I mean if you're able to not only write it and yeah. get it into people's hands and sell it I mean that in itself is a huge accomplishment you know like yeah, thanks. And I felt it, it was definitely, um, to a point, it was an encouraging thing. Like, okay, right. I, I can keep doing this. I mean, it didn't ultimately go, so I so I lost a little bit of that um, encouragement in that. But have you picked up something else? I'm writing. I'm writing a bunch of things, and I, and I'm as I'm because I'm Canadian. I have access to to certain money to make make something in Canada so that's my, yes that's my plan um, is to make something in Canada but fuck I don't know it's it's a slow it's slow going it's the thing about music there's such an immediacy to it um, and drawing too I mean this this book is already out and I finished it I wrote it last year and uh, or drew it last year and it's out now and I don't know movie making is and glacial I, I kind of yeah. can't handle it yeah for a guy that's been you know yeah in bands and drawing for the last uh, however many years it's yeah. like the turnaround is is a matter of months mm -hmm. you know um, after you and even creating it you could write a song in in a day yeah uh, you know, yes or draw a couple pages in an hour right you know right so, yeah it's two different things it's, it is yeah but I mean as an artist it's an incredible challenge to try to surmount yeah and i think it's a new it's something new that i that i really want to um take seriously and, and a challenge that i want to like go the distance with yeah. i think yeah 
Well, I'd be remiss not to talk. Oh, this is probably something we've uh, had to begrudgingly talk about for a while now, too. But this the cereal thing. Oh yeah, um, is that chill? If we talk about that, we could talk about it. Yeah, because you know what, I I listened. I you know, like many many like millions of other people, I was enraptured in, mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. uh, the original sure. podcast. And honestly, I think it wasn't until like a couple of episodes in that I caught wind that it was that you had done the theme to it. Right. I yeah. think they forgot to credit me for the first three episodes. <laughs> like for real, I don't think they get, they did a, a music by credit um, until like th- three episodes in. But uh, Well, I'm sure a lot of people that knew you or knew the, knew the band or your output and stuff were all mm-hmm. like, oh shit, mm-hmm. that's what's up. It was. That's, that was my reaction. It, 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 good for him. That dude got it. Yeah. I got something. I got it. I got something. I don't know what I got. But it was, you know, it was a great, it was a really great experience. Well, and to be associated with something that was like a pretty like, for a moment, it's it had like a nice large thing. cultural impact. Yes. You know, it's very Absolutely. pioneering of a new medium. To yeah. I mean, it was parodied on, on SNL. Oh, right. That's right. It, it was, it was a trip. Um uh, it was cool. Did I, you do that on that woman's piano? Because you were just playing no, the piano, right? No, I, I was. I had this little this Swedish uh, thing called OP, an OP one that I was oh, fiddling yeah. around with and wrote the little the little um, chord progression on there. Um, but no, I did it. I did it. I think I think it was like a fake piano. It was just something I did in my apartment in a weekend. Right. Um, all the music I did that song in like an hour or something. It was really. I wasn't thinking. You know, obviously didn't know it was going to be this, it was going to be gangbusters. I just thought it was, you know, I thought it was going to be like an episode of This American Life. That kind of, right. that kind of like impact. So I, and maybe that to, to, to the benefit of, of that, it, 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 it wasn't something I overthought. I just kind of did it. I sent that in, that song and, and a bunch of library music that right. they could like drop in and different places. And they, they they took to it they liked it it was like that that was it it was that simple it was like yeah. i sent them this stuff over a weekend they liked it and then and then it kind of came out and was this big smash and uh so really it was just like a free ride in a fast car i mean i didn't right, right. i didn't it was a work for hire thing i didn't like have any investment in it i didn't have much involvement beyond that it was just right. like i was just along for the ride at that point and it was it was great i was happy and fortunate i think to be um to be to be driving in that right yeah. thing yeah yeah i mean it sounds like a fun experience yeah. too especially cuz thinking about how probably that gig came about and that like it was sort of a low pressure mm. creative experiment i guess i mean knowing that i you know it, commercial work is still commercial work you know yeah. work for higher stuff yeah. so you're you're you know it's not as experimental as some of the other uh, things that you've done in your life you or know? as or as personal at, yeah at all. maybe that's more yeah, yeah. It, I have no um, emotional attachment to right. to it, you know. Uh, um, just gratitude, I guess. But um, yeah, so I don't I, I, I don't feel this deep connection to it. I'm like, I'm happy to have it. It, it. It's a little bit funny that it's this thing that I kind of peeled off in a in a in an hour. That's sort of the most defining musical thing that I've done. It's, it doesn't feel, <laughs> right, of course, right. Yeah, it feels a little strange, but it's that's. It's funny. That's how the that's how the universe works sometimes, and yeah, can't definitely. fight it. So, um, just happy to be here. You know? Do you look back at like what do you look back at on as far as the catalog, which now is pretty vast between mm-hmm. all the projects, including all the solo shit that you've done? Like, what is like the most personal thing that you've 
had to like do right, you know, for your own work. The most personal, yeah, like painfully personal, you know. Like I, obviously, we go through a lot of shit, and when yeah. you're an artist, like relationships are difficult to maintain, and like uh, money is fleeting, and all yeah. that stuff. I don't know, you know, because you have a lot of stuff to go back and look. I mean, seven albums with yeah. Islands, right? And yeah. then you have like three or four solo things yeah you know yeah it's uh i mean definitely there's some there's some vulnerable stuff and listening back to all of it kind of feels and has that embarrassing sort of quality of listening to something that feels too sometimes too raw or too um earnest maybe but uh yeah sleeping and forgetting like the was it was like a really vulnerable personal record um, the one I made on on Rhiannon's piano, mm-hmm. um, which is the alternate title, um, and uh, the last song on the last Islands record was was a real uh, kind of raw record to make. That, Did you know at that time that it would be the the probably you guys' last project? Yes, I think I think I was feeling the. I was feeling it felt like it was winding down. I mean, not to say that it can't wind up again. I don't like yeah, yeah, making yeah. these th- those declarative statements. Sure, I'm not going to pull a James Murphy on on the, the thing, you know. But. Yeah, no, nor should you. I mean, that's a little yeah. I mean, it's precarious to even have to like think in those terms. But I mean, right. in the moment, you can feel obviously that's like a visceral kind of feeling to be like, I know that this is at least this is ending for some for now. You yeah, know, like yeah. I need to go back to that song because I don't think I. Uh, I need to peep that last album. I slept on that. Um, taste, yeah. Well, and should I remain here at sea? Those are the kind of the. Right, sorry, it's the last. Yeah, it's the last. So I released two records, um, at at the same time. Um, oh, okay. And they were recorded at the same. The basics were recorded at the same time, and then the overdubs and vocals to one of them was done in L.A. Right. Um, and has a different feel. It's it's more, um, it's less synth, if if any synth. I mean, there's some synth on there, but it's like live drums, a lot of live performance. Like we recorded a lot of it live, vocals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on two songs, there's like all of us are playing and I'm singing, and it's all um, kind of one take. Uh, oh, cool. And so it's a little more creaky, I guess. And that the last song on that one is kind of the the uh the like send off in a weird way to the band too on kind of a subconscious way but it's like this this kind of departure i don't know are you guys do you guys still chat yeah yeah the drummer adam lives in la and he's an amazing musician uh be- like beautiful singer and beautiful songwriter and evan and jordy live in ontario and Jordy plays with U.S. Girls now. Oh, cool! Are amazing. Yeah, of course, great. And he's so talented, and I'm just so happy that he's he's in, he's working on it. He's working on a solo thing, and then Evan, his brother, lives in Guelph, Ontario, and uh, Jordy lives in Toronto, and Evan lives in Guelph, and he's making a he makes electronic music that's really good. It's like really minimal, kind of Tangerine Dream, kind of John Carpenter, kind of marauder-y minimal and it's really cool and so he's been working a lot on that stuff and uh really really beautiful music and yeah they're they're just all so talented and and 
I just want them. I, I'm just happy that they're that they're doing that. They're they're, they're keeping that alive too. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. good to hear that. Too. Yeah, I mean, so many yeah. different like people come together for that particular group. Yeah, you know? exactly. I felt really honored in all these the, the iterations, all the lineups of violence that um, these that these ta- really talented people were coming together to like to ultimately to, to, while I was executing this this thing um, this idea if I felt really privileged you know so. yeah yeah it's awesome it's great to look back on that too because on since you're you know entering what seems like a new chapter in your artistic yeah. you know yeah lifespan something. for now yeah at least yeah I, I, I think I could return to it I just needed I just needed some perspective on it yeah um yeah, I hope I I hope I don't lose it. I hope it doesn't go away. I hope it doesn't like just fizzle. But I just needed a break. Yeah, and so how's like the book? You're like in the middle of a book tour. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm at the end now. I have one more in LA, and it's good. It's it's much different from a rock tour. It's, well, yeah, you just sit at a table. Right? Sit at a table, talk a little bit about the work, answer questions, and uh, it's very quiet and and kind of mellow and it's it's cool it's uh it's different but it's it's where my head's at right now so it works yeah yeah it's cool yeah well listen man i genuinely appreciate doing this conversation with you thanks peter yeah Yeah. it feels like i feel like i owe you some money or something (laughs) therapy session (laughs) no 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 and it's good to like kind of like yeah on i guess they unpack some of this stuff Mm. a little bit too Uh, you know you look back and there's a lot of artwork that you've created too in different different ways and over a different period of time i assume you and i are around the same age as well so yeah. i think it's kind of i'm always like tr- sort of like just thinking about where i've gone right. like where i've been and where i'm about to you know right. you know it's like so it's good to i like doing the show for that reason alone yeah, too it's cool to yeah. reflect um yeah yeah i think it's a nice thing and i don't usually do it except for things like this which is it's a nice opportunity for sure and and having left these little breadcrumbs of of albums to like to demarcate like my the place where i was in time is a nice a nice signpost to look back Um, because i think everyone has that right every human has that that, those moments of reflection and like the life that they've that they've built for themselves and like looking at the foundation of it and it's yeah it's worth it's worth doing yeah, I absolutely agree. Whether you're an artist or not, yeah, I mean, yeah. what, like you know, I think musicians are particularly fortunate, or filmmakers or actors, because they can look back at these like very physical benchmarks of their life. Like this is this album that I did during this period of time in my life, and these were the people that were around me then. That some of them I'm still with, some of them I don't talk to. Uh, they've drifted away. Right. Your average human being, we they have those experiences too, but it's a little more hmm. um, understated mm-hmm. in a way, you hmm. know. But it's just like that passage of time. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think for for most of us, it's benchmarked by the relationships we've had with people. You know, both like friendships and yeah. You know, especially if you're like I'm. You know, like if you're not married or like in a relationship, then like you you kind of like remember some of these things too. Like oh yeah, like that's where I was at when I was twenty. Mm-hmm. That's when I, that's where I was at when I was thirty mm-hmm. and forty and so on or whatever. So yeah. anyway, not just to can create a whole different tangent to go on, but. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of what we sort of did in this conversation too. Yeah, man. Um, but again, thank you, and I'm looking forward to 
scoping out that book too. Thanks, dude. Appreciate yeah. you. Hell yeah. Appreciate you. Yes, yes. I want to thank my, my very special guest, Nick Thorburn. Nick from Islands and the Unicorns, you know, Mr. Heavenly. But more importantly, check out Penguins, this great book, um, his first graphic novel, um, available now wherever you buy books. Here in New York City, I bought it at The Strand. I know it's at a few other places, too. I think it's really quite moving. It's a pretty beautiful thing, especially if you're, like, <clears throat> going through a relationship or dealing with some shit. It sort of covers the whole emotional palette, which resonates with me. I- I'm digging it. So, again, this is the Houseless Podcast. If this is your first time ever checking it out, my name is Peter Agostin. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. CJ Stewart is the editor of this show. I'm going to end the the uh, episode with this song that we talked about, The Arm. Um, came from the Islands album from 2008. Not of the same name, but close, Arm's Way. I love this song. I think it's great. I'm going to let it ride, too. Hopefully Nick is cool with that. Much thanks to you guys for listening, as always. Sorry for the long break. Life sometimes gets in the way, and the podcast is, is definitely a luxury. So as we venture closer and closer to episode 100, please uh, spread the word. Let, people, let it be known to your people. Post it wherever you can. I really appreciate it. Much love, y'all, and I will see you guys on the next one. Peace.
Cries that you don't hear.